0: Everyone. welcome to my show career startup leadership podcast a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact this is your host Priyanka kumla joining you on our 94th episode of career startup leadership podcast I'm super excited as we start a countdown for our 100th episode that's going to happen this month thank you all for your support and kind encouragement which has brought us so far and today I have a very special guest but before I unveil that special guest. I'm going to give you a quick reminder to follow me, Priyanka Komla, and a Career Startup Leadership podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn Live notifications. If you're watching this on YouTube, do subscribe to us there and hit a like so we know this podcast has helped you become a better version of yourself. With that being said, I know there are several competing priorities with the Super Bowl and the winter snowstorm happening on the East Coast, which is where I'm broadcasting live from Washington, D.C. My special guest, Junkie De Palma, joins me from Austin, Texas. Hi, Junkie. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, too. Thank you for having me.
0: That's awesome, Junkie. And, you know, you are such a special guest to me because you want to speak about a topic that's very close to the heart of a lot of our listeners, which is being emotionally intelligent. Are you excited to delve into some success secrets behind being an emotionally intelligent person?
1: I am excited. Yes, this is going to be fun.
0: That's awesome. So to our listeners, Janki Deepalma is a connector at heart. She loves meeting people, helping and working to make her community better. She focuses on incorporating emotional intelligence and empathy into the technical fields of architecture, engineering and construction. Her work includes teaching people how to develop their professional relationships, how to view their clients with empathy and create long lasting client relationships. You know, I'm super excited about this topic junkie, because in this world of, you know, getting things done and just looking at your checklist, taking the time to pause and reflect and think about empathy, you know, as fellow human beings. I think that's a much underestimated skill for a lot of us.
1: Yes, definitely. It's one that I think is, you know, if you stop and pause, it just, it all falls into place and it makes sense, but it's something that we definitely need to be paying attention to.
0: Very true. And to our listeners. Junkie is giving away a free chat. So it's a chance to meet her, get to know her a little more better. And if you have any questions, you can use this session to ask her those. All you have to do is drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from right in the comment box. All right, Junkie, I'm going to get into our most sought after issue. Three tips to be an emotionally intelligent you. But before then, I would love to know, how do you define emotional intelligence? So, emotional intelligence
1: really is the ability to identify and understand emotions, both for yourself and then with other people, and understanding how those emotions come into play when you're making decisions. So, it's just sort of like being able to understand and identify those are like the, the primary things, both for you
0: and others. You know, one of the things we always think about when we reflect on emotional intelligence is you must be a born leader to have this trait. Do you think this is something that we can develop over a period of time?
1: Definitely, actually. um, So there's been a lot of research about emotional intelligence, particularly by Daniel Goldsman. And what is amazing about EQ, which is kind of like a combination of both emotional intelligence as well as your emotional quotient, is that this is a trait that can be learned and grown over time, unlike, Let's say what some scholars say about i q where you are born with it like a certain amount and you're that's all you, there's like a fixed capability so I think this is fantastic because once you understand it, you can work towards making it better for yourself and for others
0: you know that's amazing to get to know because if you can develop the skill, I think that opens up the world to a lot of us to say like, hey, you can be an emotionally intelligent person, but tell me this junkie. Why is emotional intelligence or EQ important to begin with?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. It's, it's funny because I think even the term EQ is one that people don't quite understand. Um, it's almost what my mom would say is common sense, you know, like being able to read people. And like she always used to say, talk about people who are really book smart, but they have no sense. And I feel like this is something we might notice, especially in very technical fields that have like, that are driven with like a high IQ, you know, like engineering, um, architecture, um, medicine, law, you'll notice that the really sometimes the defining factor is the EQ, the ability to connect, understand your emotions, connecting with the emotions of other people. And that really can be sort of that secret sauce between someone who's very intelligent, but just not able to get further along in their career is sort of that, you'll often see that's the spot. And that's where I feel that um, there's a lot of breakdown because there's like four main areas with emotional intelligence. It includes self-awareness, it's like understanding my own emotions, right? Like, what am I feeling? Can I identify these things? Do I have control over my own emotions? And then empathy, the huge, like, I think this big part that's really lacking nowadays is really being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand where are they coming from? Even if I don't agree with you, where, what is your point of view? That's a really big one. And then understanding how to read people you know, like that, uh, their facial expressions, et cetera, and sort of understanding what those emotions are and then building relationships. So those are like the four part, like pillars. And it's so important right now because you could be the smartest, most technically competent professional, but if you don't understand those four elements, it's really going to be difficult for you to succeed. I think you're going to find yourself stumbling a lot. And professionals where they feel that it's the people that are getting in their way. And once you understand these things, I think you can find that there's better connections and it's just sort of lubricates things, makes things go a lot better.
0: You know, controlling emotions is a challenge for a lot of us because you have to pause and think about how you communicate in the right way. And as you mentioned, how do you look at your facial cues, the body cues? Now, tell me this, junkie, is emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, EQ, is that only necessary for leaders or for everyday regular people like you and me?
1: I think, I mean, I think it it it's more important the more interaction you have with people. So as a leader, you're going to need it even more, I think, and it becomes very apparent when you don't have it but i think everyone needs it i it's something that i have two young sons and luckily now in schools are starting to teach that i've always been talking to them about you know just the first step is just being able to understand and identify your own emotions you know a lot of people don't really understand what they're feeling And those feelings affect how you act and then being able to control those emotions. Like I can get angry, but how do I have the maturity to be able to use that anger constructively versus blowing up at people? And, you know, we've all been at work situations like that, right? Where someone just blows up or, you know, and, and almost writes it off. I don't know if I've had that where someone's like, well, that's just the way I am. I get hot-headed and I blow up. I'm like, uh, you know you need to be a little bit more so emotionally intelligent and understand where that's coming from and understand how to use that productively. So definitely something we all need. I don't think you just become a manager and one day decide you need to beef up your EQ
0: abilities. You bring up a very good point, Junkie, because you have to look at the root cause of your emotions, right? Because unless that's being addressed, it's everything else is superficial if you're just trying to control yourself for that moment, but you're unable to really process your emotions. I think that's the biggest challenge. What advice would you have in terms of, you know, three tips to be an emotionally intelligent person? If our listeners say today, they start focusing on being a better version of themselves, if they want to do a career reset, what advice would you have in terms of three tips?
1: Well, the first one, I think you always can start with yourself, right? So the first thing is to start paying a little bit more attention to, especially what you might consider negative emotions. Like I grew up where the negative emotions are always anger and sadness, particularly anger. It was very hard for me to be angry about, I wasn't allowed to be angry about things. So being able to identify both the physical sensations that you're feeling like, you know, like I'm tensing up, I'm getting sweaty, like there's this pit in my stomach, And then being able to identify, okay, you know, why am I feeling this way? What am I feeling? And why am I feeling that? Because sometimes you just want to kind of cement it over. So the first thing I would do, I would say for you as a tip is start spending some time thinking about your own emotions as you're in a staff meeting or like a contentious client talk or something like that, being able to identify those things right away is, is the first key, just being able to say I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling, and this sounds so elementary Priyanka, but it's it's one that sometimes we don't allow ourselves to do. So the first thing is to sort of identify that. And then the second thing, again, focusing on you is to start looking at what are the actions I take and how, could, how will that affect other people? So if you tend to be someone who flies the handle or emotionally shuts down, like you stop talking you you know looking at that and going okay that's my reaction that I can control but what am I what does that do to other people you know because every it's this sounds very kind of out there but really this is all about energy right so if I put this out there there is going to be a equal and opposite reaction so what is it that I want to have happen and then what are what am I doing and is it going towards what what my end goal is. So if I tend to blow up at people, I might need to realize beforehand, okay, when I start to feel angry, these are the physical and physical sensations I have. This is like where my mind goes. So that's the first step. The second step is understanding when I blow up at someone, this is how they're naturally gonna react to me. So let's think about what are my actions and how do other people react to that? So that has to do more with self-awareness. And the third thing is really so hard. It's, it's not complicated, but it's hard. It's empathy, right? It's really easy to sort of fall into this duality in a conflict where I'm completely right and you are just absolutely wrong. And, you know, like your brain kind of falls into that. So I need to stop for a second and really look at like get a big dose of Empathy, and this is hard. This is not easy. This is not simple to do. It's to you know really start looking at things from another person's point of view, and sometimes that could include asking them. It's like, tell me what your challenges are. Tell me why you felt this way. Asking those questions, and that's very vulnerable. And it's it it puts you out there, right? It 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 forces you to be able to look at someone and from their mindset and understand oh, this is why they did this. This is why they said this at the meeting. This is why they're acting this way. This is why they're you know, making me redo this assignment for the third time. Um, and that's not, that's hard, but then it gives you the opportunity to see it from their point of view and make those sort of changes. So those are the three things I would say right away to do. It's like two things to focus on yourself. You know, identify your emotions, understand how your actions could affect others. And then the third one is really start asking questions so you
0: can see things from another person's
1: point of view. And that's empathy.
0: Those are awesome tips. Thank you so much, Anki. Now, let me focus on, you know, the self-awareness and the empathy part because that, that requires a lot of emotional maturity, right? When somebody's hot-headed and is not reacting. The way they're expected to, the other person is expected to you know control their emotions and try to calm down the situation. In this remote working world you know you never know how things are going to change but that's the new normal. What advice would you have for especially all of us who are working remote and can't really read you know the the facial aspects of the body language of people to figure out you know the, the mood of the room or the tension of that that's happening in that meeting. Any advice?
1: You know, you're, you're so right. It's, it's, uh, those micro expressions sometimes are hard to see virtually. Right. And even before then you have to sort of understand and be able to, to identify that, you know, that look of, of confusion or, uh, disgust or, you know, contempt or anger, et cetera. Right. I think the biggest one is that I would do for, for these things is sometimes you just need a pause, you know, just to sort of stop things. So I, I think, too, with as you begin to at least identify your own emotions and say, you know, I'm I'm in a situation now where I'm like I'm feeling my my stomach tense up. That's usually for me, like when I start getting angry, I could feel this and I feel something rising. You know, am I able like am I able to control this or am I on a, on a runaway train right now? And is it possible for me to take a pause? Is it possible for me to, even if I have to fake a technical Wi-Fi glitch, just to give myself a pause for this situation, because I know I can't, this is not going to turn out the way I want it to. Something like that, I think, in a way, you could fake that, since we're virtual, versus in person, you you may not be able to do that, right? But, you know, there's like these trade-offs, This in person, and I could start seeing how your face is changing and I could see you getting angry or I could see you being sad. Um, It is difficult. And I think the more you practice it, the easier it gets. I think, too, when if you're sensing something, it is possible to stop a conversation and kind of ask those more empathetic questions. And it doesn't have to you could put it in language that makes sense to you. Right. Because sometimes I think when you use words like empathy, the connotation is like, oh, you're being very nice. And so no, I'm I I could still be upset with you, Pranka, but I need to find out like where you're coming from. So I think you could also maybe stop these conversations that look more um contentious and maybe go, wait a minute, I need to ask a couple questions. I, I need to clarify something like what 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 exactly are you saying or why are you help me understand where you're coming from. So then I can understand like, oh you maybe you you aren't attacking me. Maybe you have like a legitimate concern that I could address that hasn't that I'm interpreting incorrectly.
0: That's very true. Now tell me this, Janki, as an Asian, as a woman of color, what challenges have you seen as you have matured through this process of becoming an emotionally intelligent leader?
1: I think the, uh, that's a very complicated question. I think part of it as, you know, as a woman of color, there's so much systemic things that you're you're dealing with, right? I think especially as Asian Americans, you know, we deal with sort of this, you know, model minority myth, right? That like you know we're great middle managers, hardworking, kind of quiet, don't rock the boat, you know, keep working hard, sort of thing. And I think sometimes you you know the challenges you like I may face or other Asian Americans may face is, is being able to sort of break those barriers, right, to be seen as leaders, because we're so good at being seen as like the hardworking gal in the corner. So that's, that's something that I think we have to, to look at. And then I also think that, um, you know, understanding our own emotions, right, understanding, like, when we're getting, like, what we're allowed to feel, what, you know, how to, how to identify those things and then you you know sort of fall into that constructively are also things we need to i've personally been challenged with because like i said growing up you know you're not allowed to get mad so so what do you do when you get mad you know how do i how do i you know how do i express that in a way that's going to be constructive like i can still express what i'm upset about but then you know i don't blow up at people or my normal reaction is to just emotionally shut down. So how do you, you know, how do, those are the things that I've struggled with, I think, especially as a woman, especially as a, a person of color is, is trying to sort of grow in the in ways that maybe other people don't see me as needing to
0: grow. That's very true. Now, when you look back at your own career path, Junkie, how does it, you know, how does it feel And then the second aspect that I would love to know is, um, as you have matured emotionally, uh, you know, as a leader, how did you figure out like this was your calling to some extent to share the wisdom that you have garnered over the years on being an emotionally intelligent leader?
1: Well, it's, when you, the first part of it's like where, you know, like looking at where you progress. And I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I still feel like I'm 25 years old. And then I look and I realize, oh, wow, I've been looking for, you know, 20 years. And you just kind of stop and look and realize, like, oh, you're in this part in your career. It's like, it, it, but I it still feel like you're trying to figure everything out. Um, and so it, it has been an interesting journey because I find myself challenging some of the things that I was grown up. As learning or sort of seeing as truths, basically, like you work really hard and you will be rewarded, and that's not always the case. It's not necessarily. It's it's not. There's not necessarily. Sometimes you have to ask for those things. And Sometimes someone doesn't want to give it to you, and sometimes you have to decide like, how how are you going to get them? Like, so th- that's an interesting. I think the biggest part of my career journey is realizing that sort of all the things that you going up into college, it, the, the work. World doesn't work that way. It's not all you know. It isn't about getting A's and then you naturally will be rewarded. Sometimes it's it's all about you know who you're connecting with, how you're advocating for yourself, how how you create your own goals, and that's so different than than sort of this more academic mindset I grew up with.
0: And and that's very true. And you have to navigate the dynamics of your workplace environment, right? And that's like the textbook knowledge that you don't get unless you're like on the field and facing those kinds of challenges.
1: True, right? Like, I, you know, it seems like you're, I'm always learning and growing, but especially starting out when you first start your career, it's such a shock because you're so used to this, this sort of, you know, like I do this and then I get rewarded. Like every, it's very measurable. There's clear metrics, right? You answer, You did this well on the test and you got an A, and therefore you're able to do this. The work world doesn't work that way. There's, you know, it's so much, it's so ambiguous. There's stuff that isn't even measured. There's um, the connection aspect that maybe you, at least I wasn't necessarily aware of when I was in school about how you connect with people and how that affects how they see you. So, yeah, it's it's very different, isn't it?
0: That's very true. Now, tell us this, Junkie. Have you ever had a low moment in your life? And how do you process that a as a... As an emotionally intelligent person,
1: of course I have. I I think this twenty twenty sometimes feel felt like it was nothing but like a lot of different emotions, right? Um, I think for me the biggest thing is to 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 one is to realize that the only thing I have control is how I react to things, and that sounds so like out there doesn't it but I mean it really is the only thing I can can, like I can't control the fact that we're in a pandemic I can't control the fact that I haven't like talked to a person in face to face in almost a year I can't you know if I got laid off if I get you know stuck in my career and someone doesn't want to give me promotion I cannot change any of that I can only change how I react to that and that is a was a game changer for me because I realized that sometimes when I saw a situation as unfair, and it could be, it could have been unfair. I'm not saying that that the world is fair, but how I react to it was the secret. And it is a lesson that I am continually learning and relearning. It's not like I learn it and all of a sudden it's like life is perfect. But it has helped me realize that I don't have to be stuck in it almost like a victim like these bad things are happening to me I can be in control like I can admit that something isn't going my way and I'm at a low point but how I react to it is all up to me and there's something kind of empowering about that it kind of makes you feel like you have some control and I think when you're feeling low usually what adds to it is a feeling of the fact that like there's nothing about it.
0: That's very true. that feeling of helplessness, I think that's the biggest challenge, but I love the way in which you shared that you can control your reactions. And I think that makes us definitely feel empowered. Now we have a fun rapid fire on for you, Junkie. Are you ready for it?
1: Yes, I am. <laughs>
0: All right, so you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following in one word, role model. Mm, I guess I'd say my mom. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness
1: means I am relaxed and not worried. How do you define success? Success for me means that I'm hitting my maximum potential.
0: What is one fun thing about Junkie, apart from the fact that we are twinning in red? I totally surprised. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what, so what is one fun thing about you that is exclusive to our podcast listeners? Okay,
1: no one knows this, but I secretly wish that I had a good voice and I could be a lead singer in a band. I am very extroverted and love singing, but anyone who knows me well knows that I do not sing very well. So I sort of have this like unrequited wish to be a lead singer <laughs> in a band.
0: Hey, you never know. You're so unique the way you are. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my favorite question. I know the secret behind this, but you tell me this. Uh, what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? And give us some trivia behind your name as well.
1: Okay, sounds good. So, um... So native language, that's a difficult one for me to answer because, so my parents are from India, they're from Kerala. So the language that I heard growing up is Malayalam. But I had a speech delay as a child. And because of my age and where we were in sort of the, sort of the pediatric universe at the time, um, the uh, doctors all told my parents that having multiple languages was not a good thing. So they only started speaking to me in English and started sending me to school. So the first language I spoke is English, but my native language in terms of like understanding is Malayalam. So, if I hear anything in Malayalam, I will hear it and understand it. Um, just like I would like I didn't even think about it I could hear. But sadly, I speak like a two year old. So when we go back to India, I'm like muttering Malayalam in like almost incoherently, so it's almost easier for me to speak to anybody in English. Um, and then about my name, um, oh yeah, about actually what's unique about me or what's interest? how would I describe myself? Um, I think of myself as sort of like, and I've always had the word enthusiastic thrown at me whenever someone talks about me. And I, I think that's pretty true. I feel that I'm in sort of an eternal optimist. And part of what I like about things like this is being able to connect and, um, find curiosity in meeting people. So I think I've sort of, there's an internal cheerleader inside me that's always like trying to look for something that's positive. Um, and now about my name. So we talked about this earlier. So I, this could be like another podcast about like names and how name falls into, to especially being um, an American. But um, I was named after my uh, maternal great-grandmother, Janaki, and <laughs> So and that's um, uh, that's usually spelled like J A N A K I. So there's there's you'll notice there's a a a syllable missing. So when um, they when I was born, the nurses give the birth certificate form, you know, to the husband, you know, to the father to fill out, and my dad left off a letter, and my mom was furious. And she's like, you spell the baby's name wrong. I cannot believe it. And he was like, yeah, yeah no, no, it doesn't matter. And so technically, um, uh, so my name is supposed to be Janaki, but it's Janaki. And growing up, um, because I grew up in like the 70s and 80s, where having a unique name was really difficult. So I actually for the longest time, and this is a new one, you don't know this, so for the longest time, I actually just went by Jam, because it was easier for people to say. Um, and once I went to college, I realized like, why can't I embrace my real, like my full name and not have this nickname that isn't really me anyhow? Um, and, but I didn't want to have to deal like Yanaki, stuff like that. So actually most people just call me Janki because it's sort of easier to pronounce. But for my fellow Indians, I will always respond to Janki because that's, you know, closer to what it was meant to be. That's so that's a long true. drawn out story about, <laughs> about me. But I feel like there's a lot of, of um, second generation Indians in this country who have,
0: you know, right? the issue
1: with name. And like, what does your name mean? And how is your name mangled? And I'm so distinct this generation of kids who can have like very like full Indian names and are unapologetic about it, you know, and people just learn how to say their names. And it's it's like the vice president. Now everyone knows how to say Kamala, you know?
0: That's amazing. And I'm so glad you shared the backstory behind your name. I thought it was just fun (laughs) for our listeners to get to know you a little more better. Thank you so much, Janki. And, you know, this was amazing. I've learned a lot in terms of how do you become emotionally intelligent. Do you have any parting thoughts before I get to the key takeaways for the session?
1: Yes. I mean, I think one of the things to think about with emotional intelligence is that it's something it's a skill and it's something you can grow on. So reading, you know spending some time reflecting, really looking at empathy are, are things that you can build upon. It's not necessarily something you do on a weekend and then you're emotionally intelligent. But for, I really wanna stress this, especially for people who feel like connecting with people or people is something that they they struggle with If that you consider yourself awkward in any way this is something you can work on. It's not like there's something wrong with you, but I think there's something that helps you identify emotions and understand why people react in ways, especially if you don't mean for them to react in these ways. If you're finding that happening a lot, like there's lots of miscommunication, these problems, it's something you can learn and it's doable. And that's the exciting part. It's not like something you have to shrug your shoulders and feel like, well, I guess I'm just not a people person and I will just only stay behind my computer. You know, we all deal with people. And it's, you know, how do you do do that that um, can make interactions better is something that I'm really excited about. And I love to be able to share that.
0: Thanks for your wonderful wisdom. And to our listeners, the three key takeaways for me on how do you become an emotionally intelligent you is one the three sub aspects of those are focus on yourself create more self awareness create empathy and the second in the most interesting aspect is pause you know take a moment of deep breath and pause when the situation is going out of control and three and this is something that's a little game changing for a lot of us is to be a survivor rather than trying to put yourself as a victim in any situation, because that really changes your mindset to become more empowering. Thank you so much, Janki. It's such a pleasure having you on the show. I know you're one of our loyal listeners as well. Do you have any thoughts on those?
1: Yes, I want to. First, I, I love everything that you're doing. We um, So many people think about doing things, and it's so few that actually take action. You starting up this podcast with this specific vision is so impressive as an Asian American. I love what you're doing. I think it's great that you're able to create this platform that's amplifying voices, helping each other. We're all learning from each other. And I hope you take some time to celebrate this amazing milestone. A hundred is coming up. That is like, I only dream of hosting a podcast and to have like being able to be rounding the corner to heading successful episodes is is really something that you you should be so proud of. I'm. I'm really excited to know you and consider you a friend. And I'm just incredibly honored to be one of the voices that you showcase. I, I. think. I think what you do is amazing, and I'm so excited about the community that you're building. And I can't wait to, you know, get to know more of the people of the other listeners. I just think everything here is, is exactly what we need now. So great job. I just wanted to make sure you knew I admire you tremendously.
0: Thank you so much, Janki really means a lot when it comes to my listeners turned guest as well. Thank you. And to our wonderful <laughs> listeners out here, we have an amazing lineup coming up. So tomorrow, uh, Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern, and then on Tuesday as well, we have Priyanka Chadia, who's going to talk to us about how do you create a successful jewelry brand in the U.S. as an entrepreneur from, a, a, you know, carrying a huge legacy behind you. And then on Tuesday, I have an amazing kid entrepreneur, you know, um, a 13-year-old girl who recently won India's highest civilian award, Namya Joshi. So we have an incredible lineup. And to receive all our amazing episodes, follow me, Priyanka Komla, at the Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn for your LinkedIn live notifications. So if you're watching us there, give us a thumbs up. And to our YouTube subscribers as well, give us a subscribe and a like. And for those who are hearing this on a podcast streaming platform, give us a subscribe and like. So we know this podcast has helped you become a better version of yourself. The free mentoring session is still up for grabs. So we will let any of our replay listeners drop in a quick comment or a takeaway, and then we'll pick a lucky listener from one of those people. Thank you so much, Janki. Such a pleasure having you on the show. And I look forward to your continued success as well. And thanks for sharing some of these amazing tips. And to our listeners, this is Priyanka Komla signing off from Karib Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. And I'll see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of the day.